Hello, Michigan State fans, and welcome back to the Press Quarters Podcast 2021 edition. I'm here with Ronnie Plazinski, and we are going to be covering the Michigan State's uh, first game of the 2021 campaign in Evanston, Illinois, uh, against the Northwestern Wildcats. Ronnie, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good, Drew. How are you? How are you feeling? Are you excited? Like the the feeling of football is in the air. Like I'm waking up excited on a Tuesday. That is that is something to be said. I feel like we haven't had it in over a year. Yeah. To to for everyone listening, we're actually recording this on Tuesday evening. So if some news comes out Wednesday or Thursday, oh, you didn't tell me that so and so, you know, it's going to start. Well, we we just not not known yet. Um, Things are good. Things are good. You know, I w- we were um, we were out and about this weekend, and it was blazing hot on Saturday, and then a big storm, and and Sunday it started to cool off a little bit, and then by today, I mean that that hint of falls in the air, the the, the humidity's dropped a bunch. It's still warm, but but you can you can tell summer's on its last legs. And for me, um, I, I love it. It's my favorite time of year, and uh, it's hard. You know, I'm smiling right now. It's hard not. You know, hope springs eternal. Uh, I guess in the fall, uh, as Spartan fans, and here with with all the off season moves we talked about last week, um, we actually get to see State take the field, and not in a cupcake warm up FCS, but against the defending Big Ten West champions in uh, in Northwestern. So, um, we, can we say, just talk for a second about that? Like, what do you think about these opening Big Ten games? I mean, I I feel like I absolutely hate them because we talk about all the time how your improvement from game one to game two is, you know, probably the biggest improvement in a season. When you, when your team like Michigan State, who has all these transfers come in, you know, that first game could be rough. It could be, you know, a real transition, everyone kind of figuring out their role. I mean, you can lose a game and in a pivotal game like Northwestern, it could, you know, alter the course of your season before it even begins. I, I truly hate it. I mean, look what happened in Nebraska. A guy forgot how to feel the punt and try to throw the ball out of the end zone. I, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, and RIP to Scott Frost. Um, he hasn't been fired yet, but I mean, I think we all know that. Well, look, look at Michigan State last year. Okay, if that they they look like uh, an absolute clown show against Rutgers, seven turnovers, nine when you count two fourth down stops, which is an, an insane amount of inefficiency um, in any game, uh, and. All of a sudden, the next week, they come out and play completely clean against Michigan. No turnovers. And I firmly believe that if Rutgers is the fourth game of the year last year instead of the first, even as disjointed as MSU was, they they win that game. I think they were absolutely more talented than that Rutgers team. They would have known about that cocked nose. That's the other disadvantage of, of, of starting a game early. There's no film. You don't know what the opposing scheme is, and so the opponent, if you know, they can they can surprise you. I mean, look, hey, State's first play from scrimmage was a twenty-plus yard pass. It's out of a formation that that the prior staff doesn't. I mean, well, I guess everyone runs, runs three receiver sets, but it was the first time Rutgers had seen that play done by Michigan State. First time anyone had, um, you know, and he fumbled the ball. But oh, look, you know, that's caught you by surprise. Okay, Rutgers comes out with his cock nose and blows the center up all game long, completely unexpected. And uh, that's something that other teams absolutely exploited against Rutgers down the down the stretch and there or down the rest of the year. Um, but it, it caught MSU off guard and it cost them a game. So I, I'm with you. I, I hate it. I think it. I think it just it's it's the conference games are too important to 
allow you to get the kinks out of against, you know, maybe Nebraska beats Illinois if it's game three, you know, maybe those, I mean, if you watch that game and you, you saw it, Ronnie, didn't you, or parts of it? I saw the game. I, I, I mean, Nebraska controlled the line of scrimmage. I thought they were the better team for the majority of the game, but they just made so many stupid mistakes. Adrian, I mean, Martinez, I think he's what, like a 12th year senior. I mean, he just made so many <laughs> crucial errors and, and I felt bad for Scott Frost, and I know they have issues, and their AD doesn't really want him there. But I was just like, "Wow, your whole season is you know turned upside down." And a game where I thought like you just made some mistakes that really cost you in the long thing, you know, the grand scheme of things. And you know, Brett Bielema really has not lost a single pound since he left the Big Ten. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you, dude, that guy is massive. Yeah, Man. but 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 forget it. Forget his wake. Forget his weight. He had that. He had Illinois. What well, he had Arthur Stasowski, a guy that at Rutgers threw eight touchdowns against twenty interceptions. Is that good? No, 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 Ronnie. It is not good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and he, he he goes out and he completes like ten of twelve passes. No, no, nine of twelve passes for like one hundred and twenty yards and a touchdown and no interceptions in relief. I mean that is that that Illinois team elite. I mean, look, they don't have a lot of talent, but they actually looked like they were coached. And some teams they get ridden harder in training camp than others. They come out hot. Uh, Michigan under Harbaugh is notorious for that, and, and they, they they can you know kind of steal that 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 early game. And I just think it's unfair to if you really want to look at the conference races, the best teams and really playing each other. I think you owe it to your conference to allow them to get some of the kinks out. In, in the non-conference before you have such an important game. Now, granted, this is a crossover uh, this week. You know, uh, Northwestern is in the Big Ten West, so it doesn't really matter. You know, it doesn't, uh, you know, it, it does affect the overall standings, but it's not as crucial as if, the, you know, MSU is playing Michigan week one, um, which I hope they never do. Uh, that's just not, that's just disrespectful to the rivalry. Um, but... Uh, Still, I and, and quite frankly, I, I think it's I think it's it's disadvantage disadvantageous to Northwestern. Um, they're going through scheme changes and massive personnel overhauls, and to come up against a, an MSU team that might be um, still trying to find its footing, but certainly has is in year two or year and a year and a half in a new scheme or in their new schemes, a little more comfortable, and certainly has upgraded their talent. I mean, that's that's got to if Fitzgerald can't be too thrilled about that. No. No, and it's we kind of talked about it off pot a little bit. We're going to get in more Northwestern, but they are. I mean, I don't think there's a team that's more overhauled, you know, besides our roster in the Big Ten than theirs. I mean, we were looking at their depth chart. We were looking at names. Everybody from their previous team seems to be gone. You know, obviously everyone knows about Peyton Ramsey, but four new receivers, their best running back. I mean, it is a huge overhaul for Pat Fitzgerald, who's losing his defensive coordinator. I mean, it is. It truly is a disservice to where he is at, you know, currently in his program where he has built such a, you know, a fundamental, you know, continuity type team. This is going to be a completely different Northwestern team who tends to start slow anyway. I can't imagine that it will be much better with all these changes because normally every year I see them lose a game to some terrible team. I'm like, oh, Northwestern sucks. And then they win eight games. So um, I, I, you know, I don't know if that's going to be the recipe this year, but I, I guess it's probably a good time for Michigan State to see them if they had to early. Right. And, that, and that's kind of, yeah. you know, the overall look at that. 
Yeah, I think I agree wholeheartedly. I think in a vacuum, the um, the early conference games are bad. I think in in this um, in this case, being being you know Spartan fans, you're you're kind of smiling, you're you're happy, you're encouraged by it. Um, Northwestern is notorious for for starting season slow, uh, for getting people up to speed, and they really are a program not too dissimilar to Iowa. Um, where it really relies on third, fourth, you know, upperclassmen that have been groomed to come into starting roles, and there isn't all that too much turnover. I mean, they notoriously have the smallest recruiting classes in the conference. You know, almost you know, seventeen to eight to twenty a, a class. Um, if you think about it, if you redshirt everyone, there's eighty five men on the roster. You can only take seventeen people per class if everyone stays five years. And Northwestern has very few early early departures to the NFL. They lost a couple this past year, but, but very few. Um, and most people stay to graduate as you should. I mean, Northwestern's a fantastic school in a, in a great degree. Um, so they are ill-equipped to bring in, they don't bring in swaths of, of new talent. They did not hit the transfer portal the way MSU did, um, or, or even, you know, an Ohio state or someone else that, you know, just picked up a few key pieces. Um, they're they're really in kind of a rebuilding mode, and if you look at Fitzgerald's record once he's gotten up and running, he's usually you know he can't he doesn't usually have a good team more than a couple of years in a row. There's usually a dip, and this is this is the dip year. I don't want to rely on you know Northwestern just having you know not being great perhaps uh, for you know how our predictions are, but it's certainly you'd rather face this Northwestern team in Evanston than last year's Northwestern team yeah, in Evanston for sure for sure. I mean that's. It's really a credit to Pat Fitzgerald. I mean, we—I'm not as big as fan. I don't think you are either. I'm not um, either. But at the, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, he's done. You know, he's the dean of the Big Ten. Uh, you know, one of the longest coaches, and I don't know. I don't think he's longer than uh, Iowa's uh, Ferentz. No, but, no, no, Ferentz has been around since '99. Yeah, a long time. But he's you know a top two. You know, been there forever. He's done it the right way. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a credit to what he's done. Very D'Antonio-esque, honestly. So, um, but like, you know, it's the dip. It is the dip for him. There's a lot of, you know, staff changes. And although he had been recruiting bre- better in the previous years, what you saw last year was, you know, fourth and fifth year guys, a lot of them coming in with Peyton Ramsey. I mean, it was a perfect storm for Northwestern to compete. And they, you know, they did very well against um, Ohio State in the championship game. Remember, Michigan State beat this same Northwestern team probably in the best game they played or most complete game they played last year. So it's a, it's a really interesting matchup early in the season. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Northwestern won the Citrus Bowl last year. and they beat, Auburn. They beat Auburn by 16 points uh, and finished 10th in the country. So uh, that's I, 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 you're right. I don't like Fitzgerald as a person. I, I think he's kind of a sore loser, quite frankly. Um, even though, you know, everyone says, oh, he does, he does, um, you know, he does more with less than anyone. I, I, I actually kind of disagreed with that until recently, um, because I looked at like, you know, rolling five-year recruiting rankings. He recruits at the same level as Iowa and Iowa has had, Ferentz has had more success, quite frankly. Um, and you know, he's, he's within a stone's throw of Wisconsin, you know, in the, in the forties range average. Um, and so, yeah, sure. You know, Northwestern has restrictions, but still they're, they're getting quality, quality players. Um, you know, Notre Dame has restrictions too on academics and they seem to be doing okay. 
So I think he's he's a little overhyped, but he he does he is a he's still a good coach. Don't get me wrong. I mean he's not he's not bad. I don't think he's he's not a James Franklin, um, rah rah guy. He's he's a good coach. But just looking at their record, you know, from um, you know, like say you know, twenty twelve is his first ten win season. Okay, uh, then he goes five and seven, five and seven, ten and three. Seven and six in 2016, 10 and three in 2017, nine and five in 2018. That was the year where they lost like all three of their non conference games and then went nine and or eight and one in the Big Ten. Which year was this? 2018. I'm um, trying to remember. Is that one year I just completely blacked out Michigan State because I was so mad? But then, but then the very next year they went three and nine in 2019. We know what that's like, yeah. Yeah, but we do. But then, and then in 2020, seven and two. So the, he seems to have these peaks and valleys. I mean, you know, and so you figure, given what they've lost, they're probably due for a due for a valley. And if you're wondering why we're talking about these trends, this is the downside to um, not having uh, any film to talk about or any prior year record. And in fact, look, Northwestern has a brand new defensive coordinator. They're their defensive coordinator coached his 400th game in the bowl game and retired. Um, so I used to be able to say, okay, Northwestern four, four, three under cover two. This is what's, you know, I, I, I could, I could, it doesn't matter who the players were. I knew at least what the schemes were, what would work, what wouldn't, you know, it's, it's, it's their defense. It's solid. They keep everything in front of you. They have a new defensive coordinator that is uh, in the, you know, from the NFL and is, talking about we need to make splash plays we need to make impact and i think northwestern playing a riskier brand of defense is is actually a really bad idea for them um but and we're gonna get we're about to get into some specifics here um i just don't know what that really looks like i can't tell you if they're going to be in a three four are they going to be in a four three i mean they're they're you know, depth chart looks like a four three depth chart, but I you don't can't know. you can't go to. A, I, you, I mean, we've talked about this so many times on the board. I think you'll you'll kill someone if we talk about a three four. But you, I, you just can't go from a four three. You have to recruit to that scheme. It's not something you can flip overnight. So there's just it's not even feasible with their defensive tackles they have. I mean, you need a three hundred and thirty pound mauler. We talk about that all the time. They don't have that. You know, no, they're, 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 they're not running one. They're not they're not running a three four. They I, they would be that would be an absolute travesty if they did that um so i I guess people love that three four but yeah go on sorry well it's because you have you have those real freak linebackers that are you know like the the micah parsons types that are you know six four two fifty five and can run a four five flat right you know and they can they can't they can get out and and um you know cover cover a back out of the backfield right you know aiden hutchinson is about to do that try to do that for michigan and watch watch how well it's that gonna, goes. it's gonna go very poorly it's gonna be well i mean great Can't for wait. us to watch but that's you know, that, that's where i'm at so i guess yeah. you know to get to give us kind of the, the listeners some idea we're going to talk about you know states passing offense against generally northwestern's pass defense and their pass rush then we're going to flip to the rush offense versus the rush defense uh and then same thing for Northwestern. They're passing offense against states, whatever we think their passing offense is going to look like. Uh, rush defense, a couple notes on special teams because it just isn't a lot to go on. Uh, the prediction, and then that'll be that's that's kind of it. Uh, you know, first games are always tough. Um, so, Ronnie, um, we don't know who the quarterback is, despite what some people on radio may have said today. 
um, you know, the rumor we've, we, the kind of prevailing wisdom was Russo. And then someone on the radio said, Oh, it's going to be Thorne. And now people are Thorne, Russo, Thorne, Russo. We're kind of right back where we started. Right. Um, I, I think it's safe to say, regardless of who the quarterback is, um, Jay Johnson is an ex- definitely the anti Dave Warner in that, uh, he go- wants explosive plays. He wants a vertical p- passing game. Um, ostensibly he wants the tight end to be involved. Um, I don't know that the talent on the roster is going to accommodate that wish, sadly. Um, but I think, I think at his, at, you know, you're going to see a three receiver, one back, one tight end set. Um, I think you're going to see that tight end in the H back role, um, where he's offline, he's kind of lined up, looks like a fullback and play probably, probably going to play that role. And I think you'll see some power football in the run game. Um, so that's, that, that's at least what I, I, I think. mean. I, I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think primarily, I think, you know, I think we're going to run the ball a lot in this game. I think that the quarterback is going to struggle regardless of who it is. Um, We've talked a ton about Thorne and Russo, and I've actually really come to terms with what you said, which it's not the most important position on the field because it is, I mean, in general, but we have two guys that can play. If you have two B minuses, it doesn't really matter which one plays because, you know, it all comes down to the offensive line. I think either is going to struggle in this game. Uh, just getting into a rhythm, first game jitters, maybe at least the first few possessions. But I think if you can run the ball, and I think that's going to be Michigan State's kind of, I, I think especially because we didn't have a rushing touchdown yet last year, and I think that does really bother Tucker. I think he's definitely going to try to unleash on Kenneth Walker early and often as possible. And if, you know, what we looked at with the defensive line for Rutgers, I think that's something we can get ahead of and, and actually maybe carve out a nice running game. I mean, they, they do not have these big four-star defensive tackles that we um, are used to seeing from other Big Ten teams. I think this is a game we can maybe gain some traction, but obviously we haven't seen the offensive line. So it's nice to say in theory, but I think that's going to be their th- Jay Johnson's thought process. And what we've seen in the past from him is he does scheme for his opponent very well like the Michigan game last year where he just kept attacking in the air over and over again. So I think he's going to go after their weakness. And I think that is, you know, up front. Well, I think, I think, but this is, I mean, really talking about the passing attack. Um, Here's. Oh, you want to talk about, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 it's okay. I mean, just general offense. Here's the, the, the issue with, um, with, with Northwestern's old scheme was that and and I, I'm, I'm just by their depth charts that's all i have to go on i don't know what this is going to look like so just caveats abound um their their depth charts a four three so four de- down defensive linemen three linebackers uh two safeties two corners okay they have a, the name you should know is brandon joseph okay ronnie you're familiar with brandon joseph I know the name, but I'm not familiar with him very much at all. Well, Brandon Joseph led the entire nation in interceptions last year with six. Cool. He was a, so was he a he, freshman last year. Yeah, he sure was. So he's he's the uh, he's the guy. To oh my know. god, he was. Yeah, he sure was. Uh, he was the Big Ten freshman of the year. He is only the second defensive player in Northwestern history to be a consensus consensus All American, which means I think the four or five All American publications all named him an All American. Uh, the other only other one was Pat Fitzgerald himself. So he is a in in their cover two scheme, which is what they ran. Uh, so the idea behind the cover the the four three under cover two with four three under. Um, it just has to do with the alignment of the the um, defensive line. Everyone's kind. Of, it, it, I won't get too technical, but 
if it, you look at it, you'll see four linemen and you'll see a linebacker looks like he's always hanging over the edge. That's the strong side linebacker. Uh, think Jake Ryan at Michigan. Um, it's really almost a three, four without necessarily being a three, four. Um, it really messes with your run, with your run fits and run schemes with five guys at the line of scrimmage. Um, and combine that with a cover two behind it where the secondary is keeping everything in front of them and in a zone defense. Um, you can complete a series of, you know, six to eight yard passes against that pretty easily. You might be able to hit something, you know, on the seams for maybe 15 yards, but then the safety is, is always up over the top. Um, and everything's kept in front of them and they make you work your way down the field and wait for you to make a mistake. Um, and the best Northwestern defenses, um, usually had at least one very good defensive end. Uh, remember, uh, Corey Wooten a few years back and, and, uh, Joe Gaziano, the one that just absolutely destroyed Miguel Machado back in 2016. Um, and when you play in that cover two, especially against an inexperienced quarterback, and you know even if it's Russo, he's still new into the scheme, and, and certainly Big Ten football, um, you can bait the you can bait the opponents and quarterback into mistakes and, and um, really frustrate them and speed them up, and that get let, let leads to sacks because the uh, you know they want to hit that bigger play, and all that's open are these little dink and dunks. Um, how did Rocky? I guess like real for for everyone's knowledge, and even you know mine as well. How yeah. did you know Rocky Lombardi? be so successful last year throwing deep i guess it was that one long play to Naylor, but i mean they had big plays against them which never happened in years past and it was probably our worst quarterback in the last 10 years well remember at one point rocky lombardi was two of 15 passing yeah not ideal with with two touchdowns it was sometimes weird things happen but hashtag um, dream big yeah no that's awesome yeah so what can happen so the, the downside to a cover two, or especially a more passive cover two, is that the safeties are are really looking to play the pass more than the run. So if you can win up front, you can you can you can you can get some movement movement on the ground game. You know, especially on the play actions because um, they aren't. Well, I take that back. Play action can have an effect if you've had somewhat consistent success on the ground against that scheme or or where you've completed a series of short passes underneath because they're going to invite it expect you to miss some but if you're not missing them you're moving down the field and that's going to bring the safeties up the same way a short run game will it's very um, bent it's very bent but don't break it is it is and so what happened i think what, i mean the other thing is and this is just look it's on point one guy's got to run faster than the other. And that's what happened. Um, Naylor's just a fast, he's faster. He's just a fast, better athlete. So you can out, I hate the term, but I'll, I'll use it. Um, Cause I don't know a better way. You can out athlete Northwestern at times. Uh, you can beat them to the edge. Um, you can run past them. The thing is with the safeties playing as deep as they have been in past years past, um, the t- amount of time that the balls in the air allows the safety to close the gap, even if they aren't all that athletic. That is to say, though, I don't know that they're running a cover That's what I was going to say. We're talking about the cover, <laughs> too, and we don't know that that's their scheme. I mean, I, I bet mean, you there was some Northwestern podcast or, I mean, Rutgers podcast, there's probably one, was like probably, like, oh, Michigan State runs the 4-3, and, you know, we came on this 4-2-5, you know. So, I mean, we have no idea what they're going to run. Really, we don't. Although, I assume Pat, it's Pat Fitzgerald's base scheme in general because he, you know – play defense. That's probably what he wants to run. So it's probably going to look similar. We'd assume. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So, um, you know, I've been, I actually read some Northwestern blogs, which exist. And yeah, I know. Um, and I mean, they've all chalked this up to a win, by the way, because Mel Tucker is terrible. That's, that's exciting. That, their seem, analysis. that seems to, that seems to be a common you know, theme. <laughs> Makes me a little there. worried that, you know, no one's respecting him, but that's okay. Um, and, and even they were a little trepidatious about the new defensive coordinator because he is talking about doing this like rah, rah, splash play, got to make them, you know, got to, got to pop them, you know, got to rip that ball out, et cetera. And we've seen the Chuck Bola school of defense where you start, you start giving up fundamentals in favor of these bigger plays. And when it ends up happening, especially when you don't have the most athletic defense, all of a sudden a six yard pass becomes an 11 yard pass because you're trying to rip up the ball and he's running forward and you're swinging him around and he just keeps going. And all of a sudden you threw him past the first down marker. Okay. Well, what good does that do? Um, the, um, just to kind of run down the, the starters at least. Um, so Brandon Joseph is the, is the starting safety, you know, six one one ninety two. I mean, rangy, obviously intelligent ball hawk type again in the cover too. Uh, he's going to be joined though by a fellow sophomore, Rod Hurd, the second, uh, he's kind of like the Angelo Gross, 5'11", 185. Um, he's got 11 tackles in his career, one pass breakup. I mean, nothing to really know about him. Uh, the corner, starting cornerback, Cameron Mitchell, is also a sophomore. Uh, his first career start was in the Citrus Bowl, uh, where he did make 10 tackles, an interception, a pass breakup. So maybe he just had a great game. Um, but he's only he's got 18 tackles in his whole career. Uh, in, in five pass breakups. And then his, the other corners, A.J. Hampton, who's a junior, um, started three games last year, the last three games, um, and had six passes defensed. Um, again, they're each playing a cover two, which they're playing off their man. They're playing soft soft zones underneath, uh, meaning that the, the cornerback isn't necessarily sticking with their man. They're just st- sit in this area, and anyone that comes into their that area, they try to break up the pass or make a play on the ball. Um, so it's a more passive keep it in front of you defense. Um, but they really, you, you've got a couple of quarterback, you got a, you know, quarterbacks that had a couple of, a couple of st- four starts between them. Um, and uh, the other safety has two. So a really inexperienced secondary. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a two minute highlight of Brandon Joseph on YouTube. If anyone's interested in it is a quite uh, strong showing. I mean, yeah, they're very young back there. Kind of, it reminds me a little bit of what we have at cornerbacks. Just so many unknowns. I mean, sure, a guy had 11 tackles in the Citrus Bowl, but I mean, that's such a small sample size. It's tough to say. And quarterbacks well, with tackles isn't always a great a thing. thing. Like, right. you remember, DeQuez Denard would have games where, I mean, and I, I hate to compare anyone to DeQuez, but he'd have games where he'd have zero stats on the board. And that's just because people didn't throw to him. People didn't even think to go that way. So. Right. If you, t- ten tackles, sword. you allowed, yeah, you know, it could mean, could mean you allowed 10 completions and then you had to tackle the guy. Or your run, your run defense broke down and, and the corner has to come up and make the tackle. Well, corners making tackles on run plays usually mean that the run's strung out. Uh, but anyways, um, the, I don't know. I just don't know what to expect. You know, there's not a lot of film here. Um, I would suspect that they are at least eh, a decent opponent. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to be Vincent Gray from Michigan just based on Fitzgerald's pedigree, but I, I just don't know. Um, I do know, though, segue uh a good a good pass rush can make a mediocre secondary look just fine uh and northwestern has some pieces uh up front 
I think um, Sam Dup Miller returns. He actually opted out last season for COVID. He was a starter uh, and has actually started 35 games. He's the most experienced player on Northwestern's team on either side of the roster. Um, so even though, you know, I think we said, you know, they lost eight starters on defense, they actually return one. Um, he's got 17 and a half tackles for loss and seven and a half sacks in his career. So, um, certainly an experienced player, uh, not, not a real pass rush specialist, six three two seventy, more of that anchor, um, it under in the four, in the four, three under kind of the, the offside D D end is kind of a, what they call strong side defensive end. It's almost like that, that three, four D end that's supposed to eat blocks. Um, but, uh, so that, that's kind of – that was his role at least. Um, and then I got to tell you, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. This guy's name. Uh, Adetomiwa Adewabore, Adeware. I mean, that's close. Um, I, I, I like Adeware. I think, that, I think that is correct. But the first name, forget it. Yeah. Um, but, well, he, he's a junior, and he had, um, he, he had six tackles for loss last year. Okay, who led the team. So those are your ends. Uh, Miller, Miller's a solid player. I don't think he's a spectacular guy. He's not a first-team All-Big Ten guy, but he's a solid Big Ten starter. Um, Adeware, he's a Panashuk. Sure, Beasley. I would I would put him almost in Beasley's range. I mean, he's someone that he's someone you'll go. Okay, it's that's not, someone. It's not Shalik Cohen. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, or or Marcus Rush or anything like that. But but he's solid. Um, I, I just don't see a lot of uh, natural pass rush from these guys, at least so far to date in their career. I mean, uh, Adewari is a junior, uh, Miller's a senior, but then again, I mean, Gaziano was in there for six years or something. I mean, there, there's a, there's not a lot of room for um, for guys to come on. Um, you know, their their backups are a fifth year senior in Jeffrey Pooler and Devon O'Rourke. I mean, I, I don't know who these people are. I, 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 Pooler's a grad transfer. Yeah, I don't know from where. I mean, that, that's that's you know uh, West Aurora Virginia. Had, I think he's from West Virginia. Let me check. Oh that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. O'Rourke had two tackles last year. I mean, I, I, I mean, we're I, just I, I, these are just names. Wow, yeah, they're names. So we don't know. We really don't let, know. Yeah, let's then. But then let, let, let's actually apply that. So you know, you've at least one decent D end in Miller, and you have a a defensive coordinator I'm trying to piece this together. You know that wants to be aggressive. So I would expect his ends either either he's going to be bringing the linebackers way more than Fitzgerald ever did because a guy a linebacker out of position ruins the cover too, um, or he's going to ask his ends to pinch in and and really dive after the passer and, and kind of gamble more on sacks. I think you're going to see a more aggressive overall Northwestern front um, just based on the comments that I've read and uh, and because of that I think it's actually a decent test for the state's pass protection which generally has been okay enough. Um, it's really more been the run blocking that's been disastrous for the, deal, the whole line. Um, and I think this is a great first test for Jared Horst. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, we've talked about how he's kind of the key to the offense without, you know, you know, stating it so blatantly, but he is the key to the offense. And like you said, I think this is, you know, very important for him and a Curry on the right side to really hold down those positions and show that, you know, this whole offseason talk, um, has not just been talk and actually, you know, is something. And I know we didn't talk about Joe Spivak, their defensive tackle, but I don't know if you guys remember D'Antonio offered him at the 19th hour and he still stayed with Northwestern. He's a, he's a fun kid, but he's, I mean, these are no like world beating defensive tackles inside, but on the outside, I mean, I think it's definitely a good test for them. And, you know, picking up the blitzes, I, I, well, I just don't know what they're going to do. 
Look, it, it, it's worth noting Spivak, Spivak or is, is actually wears the number one jersey for Northwestern. Um, he's a, a lot. He's a, um, a legacy player. His parents went to Northwestern um, and is a team captain. So you know he's 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 not the best player. He's got one and a half sacks in his career. You know he's a senior. Um, I, I will say it's actually kind of funny. Their their other defensive tackle, Trevor Kent. Um, said only appeared in four games last season due to injury at, and was the number one player in the state of Kansas by 24 seven sports rival scout and ESPN in 2017. That's that's, those are his two bylines on the game notes yeah. that he was the number that's one something. player in Kansas four years ago. I mean, that's, that's, that, great. But that's, you know, that, that's kind of where you're at on the interior. Um, <laughs> you know, don't, don't, I mean, don't, don't chuckle. I mean, I don't know what they're going to be asked to do. If all they're asking, if they're, if they go to a two gap scheme, like uh, Ndama Kinsu, I mean, you can have a six-six guy and occupy, you know, both, you know, both gaps, and all of a sudden, um, you can really, you can really wreck someone. I don't know that these guys have that. I don't think either of these guys is in the gun. Is in Dom um, or uh, Baker Steincooler, who was the other guy playing with him. Um, so I'm really reaching there uh, back to my my Bo Pelini days in Nebraska um, for references. The, the the point is, if MSU's offensive line is improved they should be able to pass protect against this front four. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah. I mean, I, I, they should, I, you yeah. know, unless they're all out blitzing the linebackers, well, um, which, which is a that. possibility. Um, right. We don't and, know. Yeah. And so, so really the, the hallmark of Northwestern over the last few years has been the Blake Gallagher. They called it the, the Irish law firm because it was uh, Fisher Gallagher, Gallagher, Fisher and Bergen. Um, and, and Patty Fisher, I think everyone knows this, you know, this kid, they got out of Texas, six four, two fifty, 250 and, and Pat Fitzgerald kind of clone, uh, man, the middle forever, a great player, um, on the NFL, his mate, Blake Gallagher was actually a very good athlete. Um, and then Chris Bergen, who's now a senior and the only remaining member of that trio, um, I mean, they were really just a great, great trio of linebackers and they played together for, I think three straight seasons. Uh, and their their understanding of each other and their understanding of the scheme was just fantastic. And it's one of the reasons Northwestern won as many close. I mean, Northwestern had I think an offense in the '90s in scoring offense, and they would win ten games because they had they just had an amazing defense um, in that bend but don't break and, and being able to shut down running lanes and react. I mean, I mean these guys were very 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 good, and they're gone, and in their place are. Pete McIntyre, who is a senior with a career 12 tackles, and Calvin Jones, who is a junior who has, I kid you not, uh, seen action in five career games and tallied 176 tackles over his final two high school seasons. That's that's the best thing you can say about the junior linebacker um, or what Northwestern puts in their, in their bylaws. So you think in the run defense versus, you know, state's run offense, which obviously everyone knows was atrocious last year. And everyone's, I think, hopeful that Coach Cap has got the offensive line at least going and they've got a healthy Collins and a healthy, um, uh, well, not healthy, but you have Walker, Kenneth Walker. Um, you'd think the uh, that against a new linebacking core, you should get some traction. I mean, that's, I, mean, I think that's, the key to the game 
right there. I think being able to run the ball will take so much pressure off the new starting quarterback. But if you don't, you could get into some trouble. And at least their defense, their back seven looks, you know, at least their back, you know, four corners and safeties look formidable. Uh, as you said, with, you know, Brandon Joseph, um, AJ Hampton. But at the same time, if you can run the ball, those guys are kind of become a, I mean, not a non-factor, but it makes life a lot easier for Thorne or Russo and or Russo, whoever it is. And yeah, I think that is the key to the game. If these linebackers can't, I, I think our offensive line is better than their defensive line. I think that on a macro level, and I think that if their linebackers are what we think they are, I think that that should bode well for the rushing attack, which I think is the key to making this game go smoothly for Michigan State's, you know, first game. Yeah, and I think the um, – so I think the um, – you're not going to find many Big Ten opponents. I mean, literally this is the least experienced team they're going to face. Everyone else, by the time they get to the Big Ten schedule, will be a month in with, you know, three or four starts under their belt, et cetera. I mean, this is – these are essentially baby linebackers against – and I'll tell you, any young linebacker is susceptible to misdirection please run some jet sweeps, run some, run some pre-snap motions. You can get the short side. Hmm. No, no, Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie. I know you want to have kids eventually. Stop the um, no short side. Just real, real quick on a quick side. You know who the, if you you say a tight end sweep, I, I, I'm I'm stopping this podcast right now. Do you know who the, the offensive coordinator of the week was week one? What do you mean? Like there was like who did like who was like the most efficient offensive coordinator week one last week in football? Dave Warner. It was Dave Warner, baby. <laughs> what? Yeah, the UTEP Miners. Let's go. <laughs> just threw that in there for some comedic relief. I was reading it somewhere. I don't even know, but I just loved it. I was cracking up. I was like, oh, work somewhere. UTEP. Oh anyway, my gosh. go on. Go on. I just wow. wanted to get you needed to laugh. You are, yeah. That really made me. Uh, that 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 got to me. That got to me. You, br- you um, brought up a guy named Devin O'Rourke. We had to bring up Dave Warner. Come yeah, on. that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So I think I, I think you know I I don't know I don't know what this defense is going to look like, and I'm tired of saying don't know. So let me tell you what I think the Michigan State offense is going to look like in, the, in terms of the run game. Um, I talked single back set, but the power spread that really Urban Meyer had done, and I know some people before him, um, I, that's really the name of the game these days. Uh, and the power spread means you have spread offense, but power football means you bring an extra blocker in. Used to be a fullback. Now it's a tight end because the tight end can block and catch. Um, and you use him as what's called an H-back, which is basically a tight end that lines up in the backfield. Um, and you use him just like you would a fullback. Same same concepts. Now you can, you can except you're not, you know, you're usually not under center. So you run, you're running dive plays, not necessarily draws. People, people think that any, any play from the, I'm going to rant for a little bit. Any, any running play from a shotgun is a draw. A draw is the running equivalent of play action. Okay. A draw play, actually you hold, you wait for the defense to come up field. Then you hand off straight handoff to a running back in a shotgun is just a running play. Um, and the advantage of a pistol, the pistol offense, which you'll see, and you might see some of that, uh, is that the running back gets a head start rather than starting, you know, static six yards or seven yards or whatever behind the line of scrimmage, depending on where they're state, you know, not six, be seven. Um, 
for shotgun snaps and things like that. Um, and so the, the point is you're going to see power football. It's just going to be out of spread. Uh, and that's it's going di- of- to be different than what you're used to. It's going to remind you more of like a 2013 Ohio state, the beanie, right. you know, the one cut, oh. Carlos hides the one cut and go. It's not going to be a lot of shimmying, no fullback, not the Wisconsin D'Antonio power eyes. This is going to be different. That's not to say that we're not in running formations. I, I, I feel like if things don't, people are going to get upset about not having a fullback. It's just the way power football is run today is just different than it was 20 years ago. Yeah, and I think, but I think it's still an important part of um, how, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just part of the it's just part of the um, it's just part of the offense, and you have to establish a ground game. Otherwise, all of all of I nearly called him Warner. Thanks, Ronnie. Uh, all of Jay Johnson's big big explosive passing plays just won't exist. So that's that's an important important component. And I, I think when you've got the running backs they have, and again you. This is a legit test. Northwestern's usually a pretty decent defense. Um, they're at least well coached in terms of tackling, or at least they were. Um, and so, we, if you can't have a decent output, and I'm not saying they get 250 yards rushing and six touchdowns or something silly like that, um, is there a ground presence? Can you get to 140 yards where that Northwestern has to respect the ground game? If you can that's, do that, that's scraping the bottom of the barrel too. I, I would like more. 140 so? yards, fine. That's again against a Big Ten, a decent defense in the Big Ten. 140 yards will get you done. I I, I agree. I agree. They got a 150 defense. against Michigan last year. I, I mean, we weren't a good running offense. No, but, but I, I'm I, saying, I mean, I, I'm hoping we are a good running offense. Better not because I think we're both agreeing. Northwestern's Northwestern's defense is not that good. Well, what it, we're seeing, it's just new. I don't know. It might they might be amazing. They might be. This might be the best defense in the history of college football. I don't know. Um. But I think I think what history tells us usually defenses are um, a little behind in the with with a new scheme. It usually takes at least at least a few games, if not a few seasons, to really settle in. Um, and you, what we saw last year, especially if their reads are different, they're in the older players. Their instincts will kick in. And they'll be off the same page. They'll, they won't be on the same page as the, as the, maybe their younger com, uh, compatriots that are that are on the offense. You saw Noah Harvey make that mistake against Rutgers last year. I keep bringing it up. Perfect example of an experience, a veteran, re, you know, reverting to his his prior coaching um, on the field. And when you're changing schemes, especially if it's a radical change, I don't know what it's going to look like. I keep saying that. Um, there are potential. There, are, it's a higher degree of bus potential. And Ronnie, I'll tell you the other thing that causes bust potential, and that is young linebackers, yeah. or you should say inexperienced linebackers. Because the, bigger, they, the, the further away from the line of scrimmage you make the mistake, the worse it's going to be. I mean, generally. Well, I mean, if DT you know, blows a block, all of a sudden you've got a, a – Right, but a you know what I mean. Ball. If a linebacker goes right. the wrong way, that is – I mean, right. it, we saw it last year many times. And when, oh, you, yeah. when you don't know what you're doing, you end up playing slower, right. which is – all a huge advantage for Michigan State. You know, Michigan State has a crazy to say the more experienced scheme from a defensive side if, right. if it's a newer scheme, and that's obviously something we had, we did not get to say all last year. They had the coaching, um, whereas this Northwestern team, that's like you said, the older you are here, might not be that beneficial 
based purely on, you know, like you said, the instincts come in. And a guy like Kenneth Walker, a guy like Eli Collins, even Jordan Simmons, although you do not like him, I mean, those they can make you pay. And that's something that I want to see Michigan State do. I want them to make them pay. And even a jet sweep here or there to either side of the field. Well, and that's and that's what I'm saying. So I think I think we can say we overall I think you should expect some some offensive success against Northwestern. I'm expecting four touchdowns. That's what I that's what I want to see. Um, you know, they scored 29 last year because of the goofy last play of the game. The ball gets fumbled in the end zone. Defensive touchdowns, but I I want to see four touchdowns. I want to see two rushing, two passing. I know that's probably too symmetrical to be true. But I want to see a balanced offense, something that looks coherent, and in an offense where the opponent has to respect both the run and the pass. And I want to see that regardless of what the defense is doing, meaning that that Johnson can adjust to the defense um, because he's going to have to do it live, and that's going to be the tail. That's really going to be the game within the game. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I and I think so far in his tenure at Michigan State, he's done a decent job at that. Um, at least in the games that he's had the ability to. Now, I'm, I'm not going to kill him on Iowa. I'm not going to kill him in Indiana. We were just outmatched, outclassed in those games. There's not a lot Jay Johnson could do with Rocky Lombardi. But now he he's kind of getting his quarterback, whoever that may be. He's I, I, I agree. I, I think he's schemed well. I'm hoping we can see a, a decent scheme. But like you said, the adjustments are key. But it's something I think he has done well um, from what I've seen in his limited Michigan State career. Yeah, I think I, I think the other thing is just with how bad the offensive line was, it's hard to really judge the coordinator. I mean, if the the guard is two yards in the backfield every play, I mean, it just it's just not going to happen. So right, yeah. We'll, so we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens uh, on that. But I think it's a it's a good lit, it's a good early litmus test. I'm not going to write anyone off if they if they struggle. No. It's still the first game. There's going to be mistakes. Everyone's going to make mistakes, both sides. So yeah. there's that. So it, 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 just before we go over to offense, just like one of the things I thought was one of the keys to this game is like the fundamentals of tackling and, um, you know, just the, the people, the person who made the less mis- the least amount of mistakes in this game is going to win. And I do think that bodes well for us. If this splish, you know, the splash defensive guy is going to come in here and try to do some crazy things. I do, I do think that's a real advantage because in this first game, I think if you can just tell me Michigan state tackles well, and just doesn't mm-hmm. make mistakes, they're going to win, and they're going to win handily. So, I know I think that bodes well for us. I don't know if you think that with that. I mean, that change of philosophy, if that's something they do uh, incorporate, right? Yeah. Um, so I think well, I, I, I think yeah. Um, oh, by the way, Jim mm-hmm. O'Neill is the name of the, the the defensive coordinator for Northwestern. We keep saying the new guy. So going to the Northwestern offense, and I know we took a lot of time because I think most of it, on the MSU offense and Northwestern defense, because I think that's where most of the fan base's angst is located <laughs> over the last five years. Uh, but there are arguably more questions about the defense, I think, uh, with the back seven being almost completely revamped. Uh, and they're going to go up against a Northwestern offense that is, oh my gosh, who are these people? Um, oh, oh, I know <laughs> they have a five-star quarterback, Drew, and a five-star oh, quarterback. Come on, a five-star, yeah, yeah. Let's let's so let's talk about that. a Clemson quarterback. Okay, so there's this guy Hunter Johnson who came in, who is like the savior. Uh, I mean, it was going to be this Pat Fitzgerald has this quarterback, blah blah blah. He was awful two years ago. I mean, I couldn't believe I, when they said he was a starter. I couldn't believe he was still with the program. 
I'm not even joking. I, I thought he was not on the team anymore uh, with Peyton Ramsey. And now Halinski coming in, I thought we all assumed he was going to be the quarterback. So, Obviously he's not. I, it's just a weird it, – It's a, I, we talked about it kind of off the podcast. Can he be much worse? But, I mean, he was – terrible two years ago and obviously Peyton Ramsey came in you know did a great job last year I, I how bad can Hunter Johnson be I, I think pretty bad I don't know well so so Hunter Johnson uh he's he's not only did he win the starting quarterback job he could, he's a captain so I mean, that's, that's impressive that is so something must have clicked I don't know it makes me a little maybe a little worried then um, so he was a five-star, the number one or number two quarterback in his class, uh, goes to Clemson. Some guy named Trevor Lawrence commits to Clemson. He decides, uh, it's, you know, Hey, I'm probably, this is probably isn't for me. Transfers to Northwestern has an atrocious debut, uh, five interceptions, three touchdowns, <laughs> 15, 52% completion. Um, and I kid you not 666 yards. Passed. It's just, I mean, that's right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So, you know, Western has, I mean, they have a track record of really good quarterbacks. Well, I mean, that's under, no, no, no. Underratedly good quarterbacks. I mean, we could, I, we could, there's so many names we could just go off and be like, can't believe we thought, forgot about that guy. Okay. Well, he the point is, is he was not one of them. He threw no. four, <laughs> four, 4.93 yards of pass attempt. Ronnie, 4.39 yards. Isn't like, seven, isn't like seven, like six, anything under six is just atrocious. No, anything under seven is really pretty, pretty bad. Um, you know, if you're on, if you're under seven, you must be a real, I mean, look, Northwestern thrived. Their offense complemented their defense. They played ball control with a short passing game because they knew they didn't have the physicality to win up front. That's their offense. They haven't changed offensive coordinators um, since, since last year. So um, I kind of expect, you know, they were supposed to open up the offense or, you know, whatever. But, you know what, last year, what did they do? Um, you know, they threw 13 touchdowns. They rushed for 16 touchdowns. They averaged, um, let me see their, their overall. Um, I'm trying to find their overall numbers. Oh, well. Um, the point is, explosive they were not. Um, you know, they had no receiver over 12, not even 12 and a half yards a catch. They had no running back that had, you know, decent number of carries. They're, they're leading running back 4.1 yards a carry. They were not explosive. What they were and what they generally are is efficient. Um, you know, didn't make, they tend to not make that many mistakes. They tend not to shoot themselves in the foot. And the next wave up, you know, was usually last, you know, last year's number two receiver becomes the number one. Last year's number three receiver becomes the number two, so on and so forth. This year, wholesale change. They lost not only – think about Hunter Johnson, Ronnie, and you're right. He didn't throw a pass last year. No. He, he hasn't been a game, in a game since midway through 2019. Um, Northwestern lost their number one, two, three, four running backs. And for this purpose, their passing offense, they lost their one, two, three, four, top four pass catchers. The leading returning pass catcher, Bryce Kurtz, Six catches, sixty-seven yards. That's it. That's that's their number one returning guy. I have looked at this roster so many times, and I, I do not know anybody's name. Like it is, it is just a wholesale from last year. Like the, it truly is. The one guy to watch for is uh, Stefan Robinson Jr. He's I guarantee you he's going to be a slot receiver. He's five ten. Uh, he's actually a Kansas transfer. I know, I know. 
uh, but he's on the Paul Horning Award watch list for uh, college football's most valuable player or versatile player. And he is a kick returner, receiver, gadget play type guy with some real speed. I mean, he's gotten a thousand yards and nine touchdowns in his career. Um, granted, it's Kansas, but it's still the Big 12. It's at least. They don't a, play defense, but yes. No, but, you know, it's supposed to be. It's at least it's at least power five football. Um, you know, he's got, uh, you know, about, you know, 22 yards of kick return, uh, long 30. He might be someone that they try to get the ball in the hands underneath. Northwestern's offense is all bubble screen, clear outs, short passing game, which made Hunter Johnson's play terrible. I mean, how do you complete 53% of the 52% of his passes in, in this offense? I mean, it's just unheard of. I mean, yeah. it, it, you have to be truly bad. So he's had to have improved. Uh, Ryan Holinsky, who was a transfer from South Carolina, four-star kid, um, was expected he, to be the starter. He didn't do much there, though. I think he played no. one game against Texas A&M. Yeah, but he was still expected to come in and, and win the job. And I mean, a lot yes. of the preseason, I mean, everyone who thought, okay, that's it. And then Hunter Johnson comes out and wins it. You know, is that is that did Johnson turn a corner? Was Holinsky that bad? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's that, probably that's somewhere of, in the middle, right? These things are always somewhere in the middle. I mean, Hunter right. Johnson probably got better. Helensky's probably not as good as you thought. Uh, I mean, it's just, I, it's, I would say Michigan State's quarterback situation is in a much healthier QB room than what Northwestern is dealing with right now. Um, right. I, I, you know, I guess the only other guy that I can think that I, you've seen something out of on the Northwestern offense. Um, is Evan Hull and the running back. Uh, you know, well, the running back. The, we're talking about the passing offense, right? But I mean, he's. I mean, I. Who else? I mean, I. I mean, really, I don't know anybody else on this team. I, that's the only other guy that I think we can talk about is Evan Hall, unless you have yeah. another name. No, I, I think I think the thing is with with Johnson, he he is somewhat of a threat to run the ball. He's got a rushing touchdown and twenty five yards, but he only gained sixty yards on fifty carries because he held on the ball, didn't see the field down the field, and took sacks. And you've got an offensive line. I let me tell you, Michigan State fans, this is a trigger warning. Uh, you know, their left tackle used to be a guard and has just moved to tackle for this season. Well, they did. They had a, a pretty. They had some injuries, right, early in camp for that to happen. I don't think so. I think I think what happened was um, I know I know they did have one off offensive lineman hurt for the season in camp. Obviously, in Porter as well. Right, but no, no, right. no, they're no. Just, no it, was a, it was a it was a. Well, the um, I mean, he, he's the he's the right tackle, but um, he still, he was playing guard last year. He's act you know kind of a uh, Kevin Jarvis situation. Um, right. Peter Skaronsky is a sophomore, played as a true freshman. He's left tackle, uh, you know, 6'4", 295, you kind of write him off. He actually was pretty good last year. That's a good, that's a legit test. I mean, he was second team all big 10 as a freshman, um, which is pretty impressed. Um, pretty impressive for a true freshman to play that well. So he's someone to keep an eye out on. Um, you know, their, their center actually, uh, I love, I love all the, I mean, they have nothing to say about their own players. Uh, their center, Sam Garrick, team captain. And then his, his second highlight is scored in the 98th percentile on the MCAT. Are you just reading their bios? Well, I'm telling you this as I'm going through this because I'm trying to figure You're out what you to say. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like, but, but that's that's how that's how little there is to say about these players. I mean, we're talking, I mean, there's one guy, you know, we, they talked about one guy's high school stats. When he I was like, where are you getting these facts? And I started clicking on these bios and I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah, I just, I just have a... Depth that's of amazing. About that. yeah. yeah, but that's 
you know, and so you've got, you know, he, he's actually got 20 starts and you've, so you've got a left tackle and a center that can play that, that, you know, can play. This is, this is a kind of like their D line baseline, competent offensive line. Most years, um, they get the ball out quick. You don't have a lot of opportunities for stats for sacks. Um, and in the run blocking, they're just, they're just trying to get four yards, three to four yards, just grind you out and you have to respect it. And they do well enough on their double teams. They're mobile enough in their zone blocking that they can that they that they can accomplish that. So that's a test. We think MSU's defensive line is is the toughest group on the in the. In, that's the defense. most sure. I, that's the most sure I am of any. I think any position group is that you know the depth of the defensive line and what we have there. I, I mean, I would favor us even if Northwestern had a, a very good offensive line coming back. Let alone what what you're telling me. Um, I, I mean, I think that's somewhere would you know definitely. We should be able. I mean, pressure. No, not the way Northwestern runs an offense, but I mean, they shouldn't be able to get too much, you know, going on the ground, which could really hamstring them. Well, based on well, based on what MSU runs with with a forty two nick or forty nickel, I should say, which is a four two five. Um, there's usually bigger running lanes against the spread because the linebackers are more spread out, and you, right. you really only have six guys in the box. Um, so it really depends on the D line winning up front and forcing that that back into kind of the middle right. of the scrum where the linebackers can because you don't have the number of guys it, just in the area to react, uh, which is how you saw Hassan Haskins against MSU break to the outside repeatedly. Um, you know he would he'd scrum in the middle, but the DNs aren't aren't keeping contained basically um, because they were taught to spill to the outside, and all of a sudden you know he's around he's around the edge. Um, Hull is kind of a speedster as a running back, um, but that's not. I mean, he's the other guy. I mean, he's the only right. other guy I think that has like experience at least. I mean, speedster maybe, but I mean, what does he have? Like twenty five career carries, but he's yeah, the only guy on no, the roster seven, with any he's got, experience. He's got say he's got a he's got a seven yard per carry average on seventy one carries. Seventy one so, carries was it twenty five last year? Then yeah, twenty five last year. Gotcha. So here's so the thing about so just to kind of put the bow on the passing offense, you have a quarterback with a, a horrific history making a start. But remember, Art Sertowski was terrible at Rutgers, and all of a sudden came back two years later and was competent against Nebraska. Um, MSU's scheme is not press quarters. You know they're not going to be all up in in these receivers' face. And if you give Northwestern free release, they will take the three yard dig every day of the week. They'll take the six yard slant. They'll take the underneath stuff all day long. And if MSU is trying to play a little more bend, don't break kind of the anti big 12 philosophy that Hazelton brought in Northwestern could really give them problems provided Johnson's accurate. That's, that's my, gift, but that's, that's my concern. Gift, but yes. And if he is, and it sounds at least like he's improved a little bit to earn a captainship and beating out Holinsky, who we know is at least, Okay. No, he's. We don't know anything. I. He's a. He's a. Okay. Yeah. I guess. And so you know the 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 issue I think with this is um, you know Northwestern does run an offense that the prior defense had an issue with, um, and even last year I think to some degree I mean they were able. Um, I mean, if you really remember that game, it turned on the fact that Fitzgerald kept going for it on fourth down, and didn't respect MSU's front four or front seven. Yeah, they and, couldn't run well, which they, I mean, they couldn't do, they didn't do super well last year in general, but they couldn't run well last year. And then, you know, they turned the ball over. I think we were plus four on turnovers that day, plus three. I mean, he made yeah. a ridiculous pitch once they had taken the lead where they fumbled the pitch and we right. recovered it. Otherwise, Michigan State loses that game. 
So I mean, yeah, like, they were... remember we were we people forget like it wasn't like we dominated that game. Northwestern probably should have won for all and you know for all intents and purposes. But I mean, just you know, stupid play calling in the offense. And that was with a much more competent quarterback and offense in general. Yeah, they. Um, uh, but you know, you know what though, I'm, I'm going to counter you on that. MSU outgained them by 80 yards, and they ran for 195 okay. on the ground. So yeah, yeah I mean, and they were plus three, plus, plus three on turnovers. Right, but they did they did pick Peyton Ramsey off twice. Um, so right. that's you know that's Shakir Brown. They, did they some, had that weird. Well, they see once again we had another weird. Remember that there was like a pass interference that they threw right. a flag and Shakir Brown and, and everyone was like, oh, it's coming back, and then the rest were like, it was all good. That's literally like they didn't even explain why they threw the flag. They're like, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State was fortunate. Uh, we're not saying they shouldn't have won. I, I'm saying, uh, I mean, they deserve to win. Obviously, anytime you win the, but I mean, Northwestern didn't play their best game. I mean, and they looked like they they were going to win that game if Pat Fitzgerald doesn't run another weird pitch play. Well, what happened was I think MSU had a game canceled. I think Maryland was canceled. They had they had essentially had a bye week prior to this game, and the O line came out and they. Move the moved Northwestern off the line, and Connor Hayward had his I think his best game as a Spartan. He had a long of twelve and at four yards a carry, ninety six yards, it kept him accountable. And Rocky Lombardi, yeah, I mean Lombardi carries, killed him, and that's which that's is their, crazy. That's their bit. Well, that's Northwestern's kind of big issue, and it's been Pat Fitzgerald. They they struggle against the running quarterback, which we've never really had under D'Antonio because D'Antonio really struggles against Northwestern. It's one of his weird bugaboo teams. I always right. thought. Which is yeah, not, you know, which he's not, you know, D'Antonio is not the coach. Um, but, you know, you look at, right. you look at how they handled the, the passing offense. Ramsey, Ramsey is an efficient, accurate quarterback. Yeah. He, he threw 43 times and only uh, 210 yards. Yeah. So, I mean, that's 4.9 yards of an attempt. And that's, that's really. And that was a legitimately a top 10 team last year. I mean, that was yeah. a good football team. So not saying that they're going to carry over the same focus and right. drive, We're just, but, that, yeah. but, they, but I'm looking at what, how the defensive scheme handled an experienced Northwestern offense. And you would think that they, they could probably do, do better against this crew of new, um, you know, new receivers. But then again, MSU's got probably two new starting cornerbacks and a new. Uh, it, we, it, and we've talked about that and we, and we were kind of talking about off pot a little bit, you know, we're having, we're definitely, our linebacking crew is, you know, TBD, you know, everyone's afraid of that. And, you know, Angelo gross, you know, sugar weasel, whatever you want to call him, he's playing a new position. I mean, we're a few mistakes away from, you know, blowing plays as is Northwestern the other way, but it's not, you know, Oh, this is a dominant defense. I mean, I think the defense is going to take a second for Michigan state to figure itself out. I mean, there, there will be, there will be opportunity. There will be mistakes. I mean, there will be opportunities to be had. It will just see, you know, can Northwestern capitalize? Well, and I think I think this is a again. I think it's a good opening game because Northwestern both uh, both sides of the ball require you to play disciplined football, and that's how MSU beat them last year by having better athletes and not making mistakes. Um, you know, you look at you look at the, the big explosive plays. Northwestern had one twenty-seven yard play, and that's 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 it. Uh, MSU had a seventy-five yarder with Naylor. Um, you look at the, the rushing average, you know, 4.1 yards a carry versus 1.7 yards a carry. Um, and just fundamentally played better football. And that's all you need to do against Northwestern. So if you're playing, if you're playing disciplined, um, 
you know, controlling those lanes underneath, uh, you can you can really put Northwestern in a bind. And Fitzgerald, quite frankly, I'll tell you, I don't think he respected MSU last year. He went for it on fourth down. He tried some gimmicky plays right after a turnover. He tried that wide receiver end around while they were up. He fumbled the ball. And Jack Camper recovered it, and all of a sudden MSU had life went down. I mean, that was that was the, that, I mean, that, that changed the game. That changed the game. I mean, that was that everything. Was it. And so you know Fitzgerald's not afraid to go for it on fourth down. He's a he's stubborn. He likes to you know play to win the game, and I respect that. I do. I admit, again, I don't like him personally, but I, I think I respect him as a coach. Um, and so uh, I guess we're kind of turning to their run game. If you keep, if you figure Johnson might be better, but still is going to make mistakes, they need to be able to run the ball. Hull at least has had some big games, has hit some big runs. Losing Porter though was such a killer for them this offseason. Right. I mean, I think that was that was that's like that's so crippling. That's that's like Michigan State running back system last year losing Collins, right. you know, which we did lose, and obviously then we had to go to Hayward. I mean, it's just it's just that's, not the guy you wanted to, when you don't have anything proven behind. I mean. Hall's had a nice game against Illinois on his, you know, resume, but outside of that, it's it's you know kind of sparse. Yeah, I think um, you know, I think thirty percent of his rushing yards were against Illinois last year. Um, so you know maybe you know maybe you can hit the hole, have a big game, but are there going to be holes? I mean, you've got a guard playing tackle, you've got a, a you know a junior, you know, an, another couple of guards that are um, you know you have, you have two true sophomore offensive linemen. Uh, Josh Preeb and Peter Skaronsky. Skaronsky is good. I think he's good. Um, you do have an experienced center, which is always a plus. Uh, he's obviously very smart based on his MCAT score, which I now know. Um, and uh, Hey, man, that's a tough test. It is a tough test. Look, look, hey, look, you're a doctor. I'm a lawyer. Let's say we, we, we know quite a bit about standardized tests. Um, and so the what I'm saying is, Northwestern is a nice litmus test because, again, they force you to play fundamental football. So if Tucker's all his words about being fundamentals, not beating yourself and all that, if that's starting to sink in, MSU should win this game. Because I do think, lined up, lined up, MSU has better players. They have better athletes. Our guys can run faster, lift more weights. You know, it's just, they're just, you know, I, I would take Jalen and Jalen Naylor is faster than anyone on Northwestern's team. As I, yeah, as far I, as I know, unless there's a, yeah. unless that Kansas no. kid is like a, an absolute burner and Reed's probably faster than Naylor. I was going to so, say, I mean, right. And, and there's a couple and Coleman was, right. Coleman, Coleman was faster than both of them a few times this off season, got the fastest part right. of the week. I mean, right. There are yeah. guys. I mean, we are, we are the better football team. I, I, I well, truly believe that. We have the better individual athletes. Absolutely. I don't, but that people conflate. That doesn't mean they, they have a better football team. And that's the question. And that's something that we hope. We hope that the that the that the coaching allows the talent to hit its level because people people discount. You know, and D'Antonio didn't do a great job of recruiting. I know down the stretch, but there are there are there's better than two and five talent on MSU's roster, and certainly after all the all the all the transfers, there just is. Um, I've seen too many practice clips and watching guys move to know, wait a second, that wasn't, uh, these guys are moving better than they were last year. These guys are quicker. Yeah. This, and for Michigan guy, State, it, it comes down to a lot of like cohesion. It comes down to, can the transfers assimilate into the system? You know, did the seniors and the freshmen who are a little confused, are they, you know, comfortable with this scheme and, and can they 
turn that into a team, you know, is the sum um, greater than the parts? Can it be greater than the parts? And it's just something you don't know when you have such a roster overhaul. I think we talked about 40% of it being new. So a lot of this game for Michigan State is not beating themselves and to come together and to show cohesion. I think as a Spartan fan, that's what you have to be looking for, that togetherness, that's that, you know, working as a unit and looking comfortable instead of, you know, I always look back to the Iowa game when Angelo, Angelo Gross was supposed to cover a receiver and turned his head to look who's got right. that guy and he was gone for 80 yards. Like, right. we don't want to see those things because that's just more of the same problem, you know. So, I mean, that's really, from my standpoint, when you say, you know, you're right. Are we? A, we, are, we have more talent. Michigan State's definitely improved a lot of their position groups. We could go down the line. We did go down the line. They are much improved. But are they a together right. football team? Right, and that's and so I think that's what we'll get answered. I mean, I, we talk about the rushing offense. Let me just be clear on scheme. It's this is a spread offense. It's going to look somewhat similar to MSU's in terms of formation: three receivers, tight end, running back. Sometimes four receivers. Uh, they like to pass a lot, uh, and they usually use the run as a changeup. That seems to be the way because their short passing game is an extension of the run game, and it's really annoying to play against. And you are going to look up, and they're going to have a six-minute drive. They'll have gone thirty-six and a half yards, and you're going to be wondering when are you ever going to get off the field? And as soon as they get behind on downs, the drive's over. A false start is a drive killer for Northwestern. They just don't have, at least as far as we've seen uh, in their history, they just are not an explosive downfield, make a big play. Um, there's no Aaron Burbridge. There's no uh, Tony Lippett to go up and get it. And I don't know that Hunter Johnson has the capability to do that. So not based on what I've seen, he is, quite frankly, slightly better than Rocky Lombardi. Not even. I think, you know, he, he doesn't even have Rocky's highlights. I, I, so, was, I was literally about to say not not even. He is not better than Rocky Lombardi. I just, I mean, Rocky Lombardi, for everything that he was, which was not a you know great quarterback, and we do wish him the best of luck at Northern Illinois, he at least, the one thing he had was completing a good deep ball. And everything, I've watched Hunter Johnson's highlights against Stafford for a few years ago, and this is it's quite bad. It's quite bad. Yeah, and so that's so, so that's really where I'm. Yeah, I mean that, that's, that's where I'm down. That's so not who we're playing. In, in that's not of, who we're playing Friday. No, and in terms of special teams, I think the the Kansas transfer is going to be their go to kick returner, um, and so he seems to have you know at least some experience there. I you know I, I don't have a lot of faith in MSU's coverage, so that always concerns me. Anyone's kick returner, you could put my dad back there, and I would be worried that he would he would break a long one against MSU. Um, and um, so that's something to watch, obviously, special teams coverage. Um, look, their place kicker is, is 37 of 51 in his career with a long of 47, which makes him a college kicker. I mean, okay, he's fine. Um, you know, he's not going to, you know, his long was in, was in the dome last year at 47. You know, I think probably from 40 yards and in, you could probably expect him to make it. You know, once you hit the mid-40s, it's up in the air. Um, their punter is perfectly serviceable, 42 yards average, uh, had five over 50, just kind of a pair of average specialists. Um, do you have anything to add about MSU specialist, Ronnie, or any thoughts or 
Zero thoughts. Zero thoughts. I have zero thoughts. I, I can't believe we've talked about like backup Northwestern players. I crack up. I'm like, we don't even know who these guys are. We got MCAT scores on this, people. Well, that's hey, we're 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 scraping the bottom of the barrel. I, I think we're hard hitting. We're hard hitting. We're hard hitting. We're hard hitting podcasters. That's what we are. That's for sure. Well, the point is, I think I think the overall point is we don't know what to expect. No one knows what to expect from Northwestern. It's really hard to predict when they have basically one returning star, two returning stars on defense, the linebacker Bergen and the, the safety Joseph on offense. You have a person who's who played better in high school than he ever has in college in Johnson and basically brand new skilled talent all across the ball board um, with two and a half decent offensive linemen. I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, as, I think as uh, we talked about, I think it, I, I think what we basically said, like this is a game Michigan State talent wise should win, and just reiterating that it's all about how they play as a team, and it's a big test for Tucker. I mean, it's a big, it's a game he should win. I mean, this is a game, you know, not favored in Vegas, by the way. I think it's a, I think it started opened at four, if I'm correct, and now it's at three. So I mean, a little bit of move, but I mean, right, it's. It's a game well, that I think from our I mean, six people, and a half. Yeah, that didn't I don't think you could actually take that. That's my degenerate gambling talking. I don't think you could actually take that at first, but it's like three now. Which I think is fair. Home field advantage, three points. Um but I mean, if you look at if you really as a Michigan State fan, I don't even think with green glasses, you have more talent than Northwestern. I think you would agree. Like significantly more. It's just can they play as a team? Yeah, and I think that's that's the question. You know, I, I really want to watch. A, I guess I guess you're. Can you give us three keys to victory? Oh yeah, I mean, don't turn it over. That's like number one, two, and three. Uh, don't turn the ball over. Making mistakes in this game is going to be so crucial. It's a you know your first game of the season. You're not playing Furman. You know, you turn the ball over. You turn it over nine times against Rutgers, and you're going to lose the football game. You turn it over. You lose a turnover battle this weekend by two, and you're going to lose the football. I truly believe that. So turnovers are the key. Running the football, establishing you know the just the ability to you know gain a yard when you need to gain a yard. It was so frustrating over the years watching D'Antonio or even Tucker line up at fourth and one and get stopped. Connor Hayward dives for the first time two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Like that was disgusting. And then third of all is that cohesion is just togetherness and communication. And I guess on a real on a micro of that is the communication on defense specifically between the linebackers and that nickel yeah. defensive back and the back four because you know Ronald Williams I actually and Henderson are the people I have the most faith in but Gross has a new system Kimbrough is maybe the other starter that we talked about Crouch being a really like you know see ball get ball type player but you know struggles with reads um at least at Tennessee, he had no idea what he was doing in the scheme. So I think that on the micro of that is the communication between the linebackers and the back seven, the back four, because that that if Michigan State loses that game, they turn the ball over and they have terrible communication there. So those are my three keys to the game. Gotcha. What do you um, What do you think? Run the ball, stop the run, flip the field. Oh, no, right. um, no, fair catch um, on the one yard line. You know. Oh, don't no. Um, so, but but that that's actually a good point. Um, I I, I want to see 
I, I think it's football intelligence, making the smart play. Did you, um, are you letting the ball at the one yard line go over your head? Cause you know, it's dangerous to field. Um, you know, are you not getting those late hit out of bounds penalties that the later D'Antonio teams would have? Um, I want to see basically team discipline and let your talent come through. Tucker has been big from day one and he got in Shakir Brown's face about this. You let your play do the talking. And if you want to get back on a guy on the field, you beat him on the next route. You beat him to the ball next time. That's the kind of football I love to watch. And it's the kind of that I hope to see on, on Friday. Um, so key number one is, is team, is team discipline. Um, and then I'll give you an offense and defensive one on, on offense, shocker win up front. I don't care what else happens in this game. If you win up front, you're probably going to win the game. This offensive line needs to show progress. They got 190 plus yards on this defense last year with all those great players. Go for it. I mean, heck, you know, and new, you know, new system, whatever you should be able to impose your will on a middle-level Big Ten program if this offensive line is as good as they think we think we can be, okay? If they do that, I'm going to be very optimistic about the rest of the season. I think you'll, I think it'll be up and down, but that's a key. I want to see those defensive tackles moved. I want to see those ends nowhere near the quarterback. Um, you've brought in a stud, alleged stud, defense, off uh, transfer left tackle. He needs to play like it. He needs to mirror his man. He needs to keep keep his ground, sink his hips. Um, I want to see him kick him and kick out and put a, put a D end on the ground, come over on a reach block and, and throw a D tackle across, you know, all accounts. Oh, he's a nasty guy. He's a plays nasty streak. Let me see it. Okay. AJ Curry. Uh, did you go on the cold chewings diet or did you do the South beach diet? You know, you're 320 pounds now. Can you move a guy in the run game? You're an okay pass blocker, probably a little better than okay pass blocker. You're now on the right side. You have to mirror it. Okay. Jarvis. You gotta get up. You gotta get under your man and and toss him. That's what you've been begging to do for two years. And they need you to tackle. This is your year to have fun. Get you know go. And then is Brian Allen gonna activate his Allen gene? You know that's really the that's really the question. JD Duplain, I'm not worried about you. You're good, man. But the, the other guys, I, you know, I th- that's really what I want to see Def- defensively. I think I agree. Communication, back seven communication, and those line. There's so much stress put on those li- those two linebackers. Harvey has a real tough job and Crouch is going to be playing in space all game long. He's a freak amongst freak athletes. Absolute. He's going to, you're going to see him play on the field and you're just going to be like, that guy is faster than every other, the other 20 to 21 people. Even though he's, he's not the, he's not the smallest guy. He's just fast. And you're going to then wonder he, why did he quickly move in the wrong direction? Right. And we need to see. It's going to be like, it's going to be like he makes an NFL play. And then he, then there's a running back running at the middle free. And we're like, why, where was our guy? And then we like watch Crouch in the wrong hole. He's got a box of Cracker Jacks. I don't know where he got the box of Cracker Jacks, but he's now back on the field. You know, that's kind of his, that's his, uh, that's, that was his rep at Tennessee because he didn't really have coaching. So you hope, you hope to see that. So, the back seven communication, because if you don't communicate, those those passes are getting out. You know, maybe the D-line bats a few down or something, but the ball is going to get in the hands of these receivers, okay? You can't play Northwestern. You can't play with Northwestern without receivers that catch that are, have good hands. Um, is your defense in position to keep those three-yard, four-yard passes to three and four yards, okay? If not, they're going to turn into eight to ten-yard first downs, 
or second and threes where all of a sudden you have to respect the run and they'll get a yard and a half or two yards. And now it's third and one. They'll sneak at the quarterback and they'll get 10.1 yards to move the chains and keep you on the field and wear you down. Um, so those are the, those are, those are really the three things. Um, team discipline, uh, win up front on the offensive and then back seven tackling and, and discipline. So you do that. And I, I think, I, I think they win actually by a fair margin. I, I, if I they do this, that. Thirty-one seventeen. Oh my God! I was just I was just gonna do twenty-seven seventeen. Um, so I'm gonna go a little closer. I think there's gonna be a little more mistakes than people would like. It's going to feel like we're winning by more, and then it's gonna be frustrating. Um, that's really, that's, I, a good, that's a goo. That's a good prediction. I I think that it's gonna be uh, Michigan State's gonna score thirty-four points, and I think Northwestern is gonna score twenty-seven, and it's gonna be. Two of those Northwestern scores are going to be extremely frustrating. That shouldn't have happened. Whether it be a turnover in our own red zone, we're going to keep them in the game, and it's going to people are going to be really frustrated. But I still think we're better, and I think that I actually think our offense is going to be quite good and is going to carry the team early in the season. So I, I think that that would be kind of the my my thought process is that it's going to be a game we feel like we should be winning by more. One of those like anxiety iso games where we feel like we're up 20 and then it's like a five point game with two minutes to go kind of stuff. Yep. Well, I think that's uh that sounds like a great way to end it. Uh, I think yeah. we've got a couple of, a couple of Spartan wins. Um, certainly uh, I'll say this before, cause I know we're going a little over big game with it being a conference game in the first way game too of big of a game, way too big of a game. It's such a season setter. It's it, it changes the, potential wins it's the ceiling changes with if you win this game but if you lose oh god it feels like the season's over before it begins it's not but no, that's it's just how it fe- that's just how it feels and you can never make too many judgments on your first game i think saban's first game he lost nebraska by like four thousand points and i remember he said something like i don't know who coached i was at osborne at the time told nick like you're not as bad as i promise you're not as bad as you were that day and so i'm yeah. not you don't want to put the whole season on what we see Friday night. And then one more pet peeve of mine. I think the offense is going to struggle in the first few drives. I really do. Who got regardless of the quarterback is unless Mm -hmm. we just can't be calling for the other quarterback right away. Like let the kids settle in. Oh yeah. Like, but you know, that's going to, I mean, like I'm changing my screen name to put in Thorn, but other than that, like, just patience, patience. Yeah, I, we didn't predict a quarterback. We didn't predict what would happen if one plays and the other doesn't. Um, you know, you think Thorne's legs would allow the quarterback run game to open up. You allegedly hear Russo throws a big deep ball. Deep ball isn't a big part against Northwestern. It's mid-range accuracy. I actually think Thorne probably is a better fit against Northwestern for that reason. 100%. But, but he doesn't take the gambles. Yeah, he doesn't, and I think I think ultimately though you're going to it's going to matter way more on that O line opening up holes in the run game, um, and then the, the defense coming to play. And I think you'll I, th- I think I think Northwestern just is going to make too many uncharacteristic mistakes for as young as they are, um, and I think the state's D line is actually a def- deciding factor. Um, I think I think they probably have the biggest edge in this of any of these matchups as far as I can tell, um, and that's going to make it really tough for Johnson and. Uh, you're going to see, I think, better field position for MSU, and you're going to just—I think I think it's going to be relatively. I was going to say clean game, but um, I, I actually think State 
state is just is just better and i think you'll see it probably from from the start so um i know i'm not usually that optimistic but just got a feeling go figure um i think that's uh ronnie any other thoughts no no not really i, I you know i think this was uh i you know it's gonna be a good test and i, I think you know I, I think next time we'll talk about alan haller a little bit the ad we, we were gonna plan to talk about it but we went a little over today which is amazing because we didn't know what to say on this podcast right before we started because of how many question marks yeah. Western, Western had. But well, it's exciting to get – We football. ended up equivocating. <laughs> it's exciting to get football back. It's exciting to be excited again. And I, I really can't stress that enough. Like this is the greatest time of the year. But, I mean, where we were with D'Antonio a few years ago, and that, that that's like – it felt like a big rut. Um, and it felt like we just weren't gaining any traction, gaining ground. Um, and it was just time for a new, fresh face. And, and nothing against D'Antonio. It's just this time came. He was the greatest coach we ever had. But it's excited to be excited about the future again. And it's it's really exciting that it starts Friday. I feel like we – I feel I truly feel like this feels like Tucker's first game um, because of how weird last year was. So I'm ecstatic. And that, I, I think everyone should just enjoy it because this doesn't happen all the time. We only get 12 Saturdays, people. Well, 11 Saturdays. This is a Friday. Take it easy. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 absolutely fired up. Sorry, I've got a kid sleeping here, so I'm, I'm trying to keep my voice down. Um, the uh, I'm I'm really fired up. I'm very excited for the new look to see the the all the transfers finally on the field. Um, and by all accounts, I'll tell you this: it seems like the locker room's really together, um, and that there's been no no issue with transfers coming in, taking starting jobs, mostly because anyone competing with them is already transferred. But the, um, that's really nice to see. And it, it's nice to see the teams brought in. There is actually, there is definitely a palpable energy. I don't think it's all going to be pretty game one or even this year, but um, I, I think you'll see enough that you'll like where you can say, Hey, you know what? Program's in good hands and we'll continue to get better. Get to seven, find a way to seven and five this year and everyone should be elated absolutely and continue the recruiting as it is so okay we're at an hour and 25 minutes yeah, we're, let's 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 let everyone get on with their day yes um, <laughs> thank you all for listening uh go green i hope you guys have a great rest of the week and uh hopefully next week we're discussing a uh first big 10 win of the year and a, a much and, easier and, second round. and dave warner's second offensive coordinator of the week award that's kind of what we're going to be discussing yeah all right All right, go green. Go white.